Welcome to the first live edition of Podski Weewee for the 2023 I am your host, Mike Graham, and of course, I'm always joined by my podcast partner, Josh Smith. Josh, how are you doing tonight? Doing pretty good, buddy. I hope that this, uh, <laughs> you know what? We're live. We're, 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 you know, filters off. I hope we don't fuck this up too badly. No, I, I'm hoping that we don't take a big shit on this. <laughs> but, uh, we will see how it goes, my friend. Uh, let's just get right into it. Uh, we're going to get into the, all the training camp stuff because Josh has been there um, all week. So we'll get into that soon. But first, we've got some Cat news to get to. On uh, May 17th, they released uh, quite a few players. I think it was a cut-down day. Um, so the following players have been released. Running back, Devontae Dean. Wide receiver, Kendrick Price Jr. Wide receiver, Darvin Kidsey. Wide receiver, Neil Payu, uh, offensive lineman Gannon Grider, offensive lineman Otaja B. Mari, sorry if I totally butchered that, uh, defensive lineman Alvin Ward Jr., defensive back Lamy Young the fifth, uh, and uh, defensive back R.J. Roundtree, and the following player has retired, Josh Heyer. Um, any of those names stand out to you? Was there a guy at training camp you saw and thought he might make the team that got cut in that list? Yeah, well, first I was disappointed that uh the canadian offensive lineman that went to the university of toronto never actually made it to training camp the that he was released like officially the day that they announced it but he i never saw him and that was a bummer when i went because he was signed the one day came in the next wasn't there i was like oh that's eh, probably not the greatest in the world and then i think a few hours later if not the next day they announced his release Two of the American receivers, though, uh, Kendrick Price and Darvin Kidsey, I actually was really high on both. Um, Kidsey especially really impressed me in the, in a couple of days that I watched him uh, earlier last week. So there was a little bit of a shock that, uh, that he was let go, especially because they kept a player who we're probably going to talk about a little later in uh, Justin McGriff, who did not look good the first few days of camp. He has since looked better in the last few days, but... Uh, yeah, it, it, none of the other guys really stood out. Roundtree was, I believe, he's listed as a defensive back, but I'm pretty sure he was he started as the number two Sam linebacker. So seeing him get released early kind of surprised me a little bit. But, uh, I mean, for the most part, a lot of these guys didn't get a ton of, of reps in camp. But I was definitely a little shocked by by Kidsey in particular. Price also played pretty well, and, and Roundtree just because of where they had him for the, throughout the first couple of days of uh, of training camp. But uh, no, I wouldn't. Uh, shocked, no. Surprised, a couple. But for the most part, I didn't see a lot out of these guys when I was down there the first few days of the week last week. They also signed a pair of players. I'm I'm hearing in the chat that I'm a little bit quiet compared to you, Josh. So. I'm going to try to talk as loudly as I can here. Um, they signed a couple of players, including American receiver Calvin Jackson Jr. and national running back Keon Edwards. Uh, anything to, to say about those two guys? Uh, well, they were both at, uh, at training camp today. Uh, didn't get a ton of work. Edwards got more than Jackson. When I first saw Calvin Jackson Jr. sign, though, I saw someone say it was Calvin Johnson Jr. And I was like, First off, there's no way the former Detroit Lions great is old enough to have a son. Then I remember that he was actually Calvin Johnson Jr. So I think someone just 
they saw Calvin, they saw Junior, thought it was, I was like, man, imagine Calvin Johnson leaving the NFL after all that time to come play in the CFL after he's been retired for like, I think he's already in the Hall of Fame down south. Um, but I didn't see much out of, out of Calvin Jackson. He did, what I did see is he was spending a lot of time around some of the coaches, uh, kind of, I think, kind of immersing himself in the playbook and trying to understand things. Edwards got a little bit of time, not really in any sort of team drills, but he he was out there. Didn't didn't have great hands from from some of the passing drills I saw, so that that could be something that's working against him. I, I guess we'll get into Sean Thomas Erlington next, but I think that the only reason Edwards was brought in is due to Sean Thomas Erlington now being on the shelf. But I mean, it was they were both only here today on Sunday, so it's kind of hard to to really get anything from either of them, but uh, they're definitely two guys that I'm going to be keeping my eye on as this week goes through before we get to the first preseason game next Saturday. Now you mentioned Sean Thomas Erlington, you know, on the six game injured list. Now that that's a, that's a pretty big injury. Yeah. It's, it's just kind of what he's been the last few years. Is it not like, I just think of, the injury he suffered in 2019 after the hot start. And I'm fairly certain if I recall last year, he was injured early in training camp and didn't really see a ton of time. This one, uh, obviously a little bit more severe if he's already been six gamed, but he hasn't been, he must've got hurt on the very first day of camp. Cause he hasn't been in uniform since I don't recall seeing him go down with an injury, but so many things are happening. Depends on where you're paying attention. You never know when it happens. It's, it's kind of a bummer for, for a guy like him, you know, like, is he someone now that we kind of have to look at with the same sort of eye that we did a Braylon Addison? Is it, is it possible that the only reason he keeps sticking around is because he was born in the right country? Like he's a great player when he plays, he's a versatile weapon. I think he's a fan favorite. Uh, every time I've ever had the chance to meet him and the handful of times I've talked to him, very, very nice young man. But the the play on the field, he, he's just he's not there. So it just it feels as if um, I don't know. Maybe if he wasn't Canadian, he might not still be here. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get you. Uh, also, the the team announced the following player has been released: uh, wide receiver Caleb Morin. Anything on him? Or he's a national as well. Yeah, he was there. What was what was he? I think he was their eighth round pick this year. There was. He, he got hurt at some point in camp because there was a part where I was actually sitting in the stands and he, he was being called onto the field by one of the other players. And he's like, they know I'm hurt. I can't, I can't play. So there really wasn't uh really wasn't much he could, he could do. He didn't really get a chance to stand out even when he was on the field. It's just, it's probably just a case of he's a young guy. He probably wasn't going to make the team. Maybe he's even going back to school. We don't know yet. But yeah, not not really much to say about him other than that. Alrighty, then we can get on to the the training camp questions for uh, for Josh here. He's been there all week, as I said earlier. Uh, the first one I want to know about is uh, our starting quarterback. Does Bo Levi Mitchell still look really sharp like he did the first few days of camp? We don't normally give gambling advice out on the show, but I'm going to give you some gambling advice right now. When the odds come out. On any sports book you can find, if you see Bo Levi Mitchell at good odds for MOP, put some money down on it. It'll be worth it. He's looked sharp. He took he took Thursday off. Uh, uh, he was he was in 
he was in his uniform, but he wasn't in pads, but it looked to be a maintenance day because he was back on Friday. He was out. They took Saturday off because there was a, a thunderstorm here, so they didn't practice on Saturday. They were back out there today, though. He was out there slinging it. He made some great throws today. Missed a couple of deep ones, but he's throwing it deep, which I think is a good sign. And the one, he had Tim White wide open, but White went right when he should have went left. And then after the play, him and Bo kind of got together, and you could see them talking about... Uh, what White saw that made him go one way and what Bo saw that made him thought he'd go the other. But it was, it looks like, you know, 2017, 2016, 2018 Bo out there. He's, he looks lively. The arm looks fresh. If he can, if he can keep it together, I mean, the, the sky's the limit, I think. Like I said, if, if those numbers are good, I mean, I myself, I wouldn't give out advice if I wasn't going to pluck my own money down. But once I see the MOP odds, I might be putting a few shekels down on Bo to win it because he, he, if he stays healthy, he looks like he's going to have a massive year this year. He's de- really developing some nice chemistry with his receivers too. So this, this offense could be fun to watch this year, buddy. Well, that leads right into my next question about the receivers. Um, you know, we know that Tim White is going to be the guy. Obviously, Duke Williams is going to factor in there. They're going to have a Canadian out there, but who's playing where, you know, does anyone stand out amongst the guys battling for starting positions? I guess it depends on your definition of battle. Keandre Smith, it looks like he's about to take a massive leap this year. I think we talked about that on the last episode we recorded last week. He's been playing out wide, but they've also been playing him in the slot a lot. It looks like they're going to go with two Canadian receivers in the receiving core, which if that's the case, I think we're going to see a lot of Keandre Smith using the waggle, and he's using it to great effect in practice, developing a real nice chemistry with Bo. Uh, I've been pleasantly surprised when he's been given a chance on offense how Chris Osikusi has performed. A lot of times he's that fifth wide receiver sometimes, usually with the second group, but he has been with the A group a few times as well. But he he's looked... I, I have never really saw much out of him as a receiver. I think most of the time he was... He's a, he's a special teams guy. I think that's one of the reasons he was brought in, but when I've seen him on the offense, it's, it's looked pretty decent. And I mentioned earlier with uh, Darvin Kidsey's release that Justin McGriff is a guy who has kind of taken his, his spot. Big dude. If you look him up, I think he's like six, 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 seven, kind of a lanky fella. He stood out for both good and bad reasons. Day one of camp, there was, um, there was some issues with drops that's continued a little bit, unfortunately, but today, for instance, he made, he must've in coverage, bobbled it two or three times, makes the catch, you know, moves away from the defender, rushes into the end zone. It was, it was, it, it got everyone. There was a good crowd of five, you know, 100 and 150 or so people there today. It was a pretty decent crowd at camp today. It, it applause and, and roars of let's go when it happened. It was, it was a pretty nice play. But the, he's also, like I said, stood out for negative reasons. He, he does seem to have a bit of the dropsies. And he's a player that I'm actually really looking, really interested in looking forward to see what he can do on Saturday if he gets some significant playing time in the preseason game, because I think that's where some of these guys are going to are gonna stand out, are, are maybe going to push themselves above some other competition, because there is some pretty fierce competition. Like Terry Godwin, who's been out there quite a bit with the A group, has looked good. Like Duke, Duke hasn't been out there. He, he did today. I saw him for the first time do some seven-on-seven drills. And he was running routes, and and he looked he looked decent, but he hasn't really done any team stuff. And Orlando Steinhauer said last week that they're kind of easing Duke into the lineup. They he's coming off uh, off season surgery, so there's definitely been 
they, they haven't been pushing him to get into the lineup as, as quickly as you would have would have thought maybe for a free agent acquisition. But so that's given some of the other guys. Uh, Anthony Johnson has been hurt a couple of days, but when he wasn't, he looked good. Um, who else was there? There's another, I think it's Jovea or John Vea Johnson. He's, he's looked decent in some spurts there. There's definitely once again, as we've seen with this team, most years, a lot of good young American receivers. So when we watch this preseason game coming up on Saturday, that I'll be there live, Mike, you'll be watching it. I'm assuming on, on CFL plus or whatever they're calling it for the preseason. I think you're going to, you're going to have to key in on some of these receivers. Cause I think there's a pretty good battle with some of these young guys here and, Right now, the the receiving core, because you asked, like, kind of who's starting where. Like, as you said, Tim White's kind of a lock. You know that. Keandre Smith looks like he's a lock. Sindani, who won't be able to start the year, has been running with the A group, but he's suspended for the first two games, so maybe that's an OCQC. Tyler Tanowski's been hurt, but maybe he'll come in if, if he's healthy. He could be another starter. Uh, Anthony Johnson looks like he's going to be, he's going to fill in for Stephen Dunbar if he's healthy. If not, one of these younger Americans might fill in for him. And then that fifth spot, Terry Godwin's been out there. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. I guess no, I guess it is five. Tim White, Duke Williams, Keandre, another Canadian, and and um and Anthony Johnson. So that that looks to be your five, but if any of those guys get hurt or or continue to be hurt, obviously that'll change. But it looks like the makeup at least of the receiving core is three and two. So interesting wrinkle that we could see this year. And that's why I'm so high on Keandre Smith. I just think he's gonna have a really big year, especially if he's not just playing the Z receiver out wide on the wide side there. He's going to get some slot work. He, he's a guy that I'm really looking forward to watching play this year. Now, one of the most, if not the most interesting uh, position battles is in the secondary, right? You got the, the field corner and the uh, wide side of the field corner that are open for, for grabs, basically. So can you tell us anything about that? Who's getting the first team reps in the cornerback positions? Yeah, so... Will Sunderland is the guy that's been getting. I mean, he he missed a good chunk of last week. I don't know. He, I didn't see him. He's he's not someone, unfortunately, that's known without the jersey on. He's he's like you see a guy like Ted Laurent. You see Bo. You know what they look like. So even if they're not wearing a uniform, you can kind of pick them out of a lineup. With Will Sunderland, I I don't know if he was there, or if he was if he was gone for for some reason, but uh, he wasn't out there a ton uh, until today. He was back today and. Today was the first day that I saw him back since probably probably Tuesday would be my guess and immediately resumed his position as the boundary corner. The other the other four have been the same throughout camp. Uh it's been Javian Elliott at boundary half. It's been Tunde, although he's been hurt the last couple of days unfortunately. That's going to be a theme. There's been a lot of injuries. Now, I, I don't know if any of them are are massive injuries, but there's been like for instance when we I don't want to jump ahead, but Brandon Revenberg didn't suit up today and Kyle Saxler didn't suit up today. And you start to get a little worried about your Canadian depth or you, it could be the error could be just a, a case of we're going to give these veterans some time off. We're going to roll with the young guys because they plan on doing that in the preseason. Uh, but the rest of the secondary has been, has been pretty steady. Lawrence Woods has kind of solidified the, the field side corner and Richard Leonard has been excellent as the field side half. There has been some younger guys that have stood out, though. Cortez Davis had a couple of interceptions during one of the sessions last week. Uh, Tony Collier had a nice, a very nice read off of and uh, picked off Bo today. In in a, I, I'm pretty sure it might have been seven on seven. It might have been twelve on twelve. I don't and, and entirely remember. But he made a, a great. Read. It was a great route by the receiver, but the DB just beat him to the ball. 
Uh, so those are a pair of guys that I think could be in that. Because like last year, if we remember, like Lawrence Woods wasn't really a DB, made the team as a return guy. These guys might make it as I've seen them. They've been on kick return. They've been on punt return. They've been on punt coverage and kick coverage. So they're, they're a pair of guys that are kind of willing to do it all in order to to make the roster. So with them standing out a little bit during during team drills, and now we're going to get to see them live bullets on Saturday. Those are a pair of guys that I think I would keep uh, once it gets to kind of the doldrums of, of the game. You know what I mean? When when you're in the third and fourth quarter and it's a bunch of guys you don't know. Cortez Davis and Tony Collier are two guys I'd keep I keep my eye on in the in the secondary on Saturday. Now let's let's get to the fun stuff, shall we? The offensive line. Now it was um, surprising you told me that uh, Riley was starting out there at the right tackle position mm-hmm. in training camp. Uh, have have things changed there? Is he still starting out there, or is another guy slid into that position? Nope, still Tyrone Riley, but it's really hard to get a bead on the offensive line because, as I mentioned, no Revenberg today. Van Zyl hasn't practiced. saxlid has been out today. I think the o- I think there was the only regular starters out there were David Beard at center and Coulter Woodmansey at right guard. It was Tyrone Riley at right tackle. It was Brandon Kemp at left tackle. And it was one of the younger, I want to say it was Coxwara was Ben Coxwara, the uh, McMaster product. I think he was, he was in there with the A group at guard, filling in for Revenberg. So I don't know if the plan, but with them going with two Canadians in the receiving core, that allows them to only go with three Canadians along the offensive line because they are going to start a Canadian in the secondary. They are going to start a Canadian on the defensive line. But as of now, the aside from the attrition, I feel like the Tyrone Riley is is kind of in the lead position here now to start at right tackle. Now, obviously, if, once Chris Van Zyl is healthy and practicing, that completely changes. But until then, it looks like uh, that looks like who it's going to be. Very interesting to me. Very interesting. Uh, now, we didn't have much to talk about on the defensive line in the last episode. Um, is there anyone that stands out? Like, who do you feel is going to take that starting role in the Canadian defensive end spot? I know they're probably going to do a rotation, but do you feel like there's a guy that uh, Botang or, uh, you know, uh, Mason Bennett that stands out above one another? Well, Kwaku has not practiced at all, so it's kind of Mason Bennett's by default. But the interesting thing is, with guys being out, the the defensive line makeup has been two American ends and a Canadian D tackle, and it's been Mohamed Diallo, who has gotten a majority of the first team reps, not Ted Laurent. So we we know that Dylan Wynn and, and Casey Sales will be the tandem to start the season, but I'm getting the, the impression Dylan Wynn hasn't been out there at all either, that Wynn might start the season on the six-game injured list. So... We could see a Canadian start defensive tackle and it not be Ted Laurent. Although I do have to get, speaking of Ted Laurent, he has slimmed down tremendously. He looks like he's in the best shape of his life. He's still a big dude, but like that, that fat, the gut is gone. Um, wow, the belly rubs. Can he still do the belly rub though? He he could, but it's, it, it's, it wouldn't be as pronounced as it has in years past. It's, it's quite the body transformation for a guy who's in his mid thirties, Probably in his last, if you know, maybe second to last, but probably the last year of his career, he's he's made a complete transformation of his body, and and it's I think it's helped. He's, he's I mean we know we we know the the narrative about him not not finishing seasons and stuff like that is kind of overblown, if not outright false. 
but he looks to be in the best shape of his career, but he's still not getting that starting spot. Now, when everyone's healthy, it's really tough because Malik Carney has looked really good out there, and I don't know if you can take him off the field to even put Ja'Garrett Davis in there because Ja'Garrett has been... I mean, he shows up late for camp. He's he's not doing anything, quite frankly. He's been... He hasn't practiced the last couple of days. It's been a little bit of a disappointment to see him kind of loaf around a little bit at, at practice when you would think that a guy would come in kind of motivated. He's, he took a pay cut to come back to Hamilton. The Argos didn't want him back, but we haven't really seen that out of them. But Carney's been out there. He's been, he's been looking as good as I anticipated. It's still a, a rough thing to kind of, because of all the injuries to really project what the defensive line is going to look like. But if you want a four man group, that's that what they've looked like. It's been Carney, Diallo, Casey sales, and either Jagera Davis or who was it today? I think it was Trey Crawford was with the first group today. So they've been kind of rotating guys in and out at the spot. So it'll definitely be interesting to see as we go forward and get ready for the start of the season though. Now the linebackers, we got two new linebackers in this, uh, in this core this year. Uh, how does this new group look together? You know, how's Simone looking? You know, there's a lot of talk in the offseason that, you know, he's going to have to compete for his job. Um, you know, Kyle Wilson re-signed with the team. Is uh, Simone looking like his old self out there? Yeah, there's no competition here. Simone's got it on lock. Um, Kyle Wilson's actually been running with the twos as the middle linebacker, and it's been uh, Voshan Joseph who has been the backup uh, Will linebacker. But they the 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 trio of of Simone, Thurman, and Edwards look look pretty good. It's hard to get a, a true sense of the linebackers though, because they're not really hitting. Jameer Thurman's a really quiet dude, quite frankly. Like he he's not a hooting and a holler, and Simone does most of that. Lawrence Wood's been doing a lot of it actually, just taking more of a leadership role. And that's that's actually the kind of an overarching thing that I've noticed is some of these second year guys, uh, Keandre Smith being chief among them kind of taking on more of a vocal leadership role as uh, in their second training camp with the team. And, and you can see them kind of teaching other guys stuff or being more boisterous and more loud than you would have seen from them a year ago when they were in their first training camp with the team. But the linebacking group looks like it'll be pretty solid. Haven't really seen much out of them that would indicate otherwise, but until the, you know, the bullets are live, it's, it's kind of tough to judge that position group, but as far as Simone goes, uh, today he he chased down Tim White on a on an end around and and forced him out of bounds. He's he's his regular effervescent self, just like having the time of his life. Looks to be in great shape. It's uh, age is the only thing that'll slow him down and and hamper him because you know you only have so many hits left. And you know, as they say in wrestling, like your body only has so many bumps in it. It's kind of the same in football, right? You only have so many hits in your body. So as long as he stays healthy, I think he could be in for another really good season. Now, the running backs wasn't much of an interesting story going into camp, but now with SDE on the sixth game injured list, um, is there a standout that you've seen in camp that might take his spot as the backup? Yeah, not really. Like, And they've been American guys who have – it's uh, Trey Regas and Tayon Fleet Davis both been getting those number two reps, but they haven't really stood out in any meaningful way. Like This is clearly the James Butler show now. He's the guy that's going to be the man when it comes to the running back position. There's not really going to be much of a committee approach here. But the only other Canadian back they have on the roster now is Keon Edwards, who they signed today. 
I'm just not sure what their plan is going to be because very rarely do you see a CFL team carry two American running backs in the game day roster. I They haven't done a ton of special teams, but when they have done, I don't think I've seen either of the backs do any major special team stuff. I'm going to have to keep my eye on that this week because I, I, I could be wrong, but I don't recall. I, I think they've been out there, but I, nothing has stood out. You know what I mean? So it's, I don't, I don't know what the, what that situation is going to look like. It'll be interesting to see kind of what happens in, in the preseason games and what continues to happen throughout camp. But I wouldn't say anyone's grasped, grasped onto that number two role right now. And if their plan is to still go Canadian, it's kind of key on Edwards to lose, but I haven't seen enough out of him to give you a real opinion on him though. All right, so we got some Twitter questions about training camp, just a couple. Uh, one from Derek. Who do you think will be the biggest surprise coming out of training camp? Like surprise in a good way, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've already talked about him, and I think I'm, I'm gushing over him. It's Keandre Smith. I really genuinely believe with what I've seen this last week. I, you know, I guess it's a week. The training camp opened a week today. He looks like he's going to be in. I, I'm not going. I'm not saying he's going to have a Fantuzian or you know uh, a Ben Kahunian year, but he's he's going to put up numbers if he's if he's given the opportunity to play a bunch out of the slot. He's got speed. He's developing a really good connection with both Bo and Duke Williams. Man, it's uh, he he's the guy that stood out to me the most. A lot of guys have stood out, for it, and it's training camp, so everyone looks great, right? We all we're all predicting eighteen and zero and a great cup victory. But if there's one guy I have to pick, it's Keandre Smith. He just, he's just looked excellent from day one. Uh, the next one comes from Tiger Sammy. Which big name do you have being released before the end of training camp, if you have one? I don't think I do. Um, if you put me on the spot and force me to pick one. Maybe Jagera Davis, just because he's been hurt, like he hasn't practiced, so that that could be one of those ones where he's not making a ton of money. I'm not sure what his his bonus situation was like going in the year. I, I should have looked that up before we went live here, but I just he hasn't done anything, and this team is so loaded with defensive line players. I just I'm just not sure if uh, if the team actually needs him now. This that that's like a bold prediction because I genuinely look at the roster and I don't see any big name guys getting released. Like I think we already had it, Braylon Addison, right? Like that was the that was the big release, the big name guy that the team let go, but that happened before training camp. I just don't see I don't know. I, I just don't see anyone anyone getting cut. But if you're putting me on the spot and you want me to make kind of a bold prediction in that in in that way, I, I gotta go with Jagger Davis. All righty, now we get into the, the fun part of the episode here, all the Twitter questions we got, and uh, thank you to everyone who send in, sent in some questions. It's football-related, it's Ticats related it's, it's non-football-related, so uh, I'll just get, dive right into them now. Um, from JYMZ61, how many of the current draft picks will have a significant impact on the team this year? None. Like their first round pick hasn't even put on pads yet. Uh, and he's coming off a very devastating injury from what I understand. 
the two DBs they 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 drafted, uh, Patrick Burke and Panabaker, both of those guys have been with Panabaker's been the backup safety with Toon Day out, so he's pr- kind of got that number three safety position kind of locked down. And Burke's been the backup Sam linebacker, and neither of them have really looked at a place when they have been out there. So the other guys haven't I haven't really seen much out of any of the other draft picks. I mean, one retired and one got cut, so we're we're down from what six to to four, and one of them I haven't even seen on the field. So I don't think any of them are going to make a significant impact. I think it's very hard for uh, rookie Canadians to make a significant impact. They're basically brought in as backups. They're basically brought in as special teams guys. But if I had to have guys that could make some impact, those are the two guys that I would name. The next one comes from Ari Katz. Uh, my biggest question is what's the Ticats backup plan if Bo Levi Mitchell sustains a season-ending injury? as their whole season now hangs on this. I mean, this is like, it's Matthew Schiltz, right? Yeah. Yep. He's like backup quarterback. He, he ran the offense pretty efficiently last season. So yeah, he's the guy maybe like, I I don't know if, if Bo gets injured, like, I don't know that there's a veteran guy out there uh, to bring in, you know, in the middle of the season. I just don't really like that idea. So yeah, Matthew Schiltz is the guy and he'll, uh, if anything happens to Bo, he'll be the starting quarterback. Yeah, and like if Bo gets hurt, then I'm not saying the season goes up in flames, but we go from Grey Cup aspirations to let's see if we can make the playoffs. Like, but that's look, look what other teams around the league really have solidified aside from BC, where we traded Dane Evans, and Dane Evans was never coming back as the backup. That that bridge had been burned, and that and that's what happens when you go and replace somebody. But aside from like. If Trevor Harris gets hurt in Saskatchewan, what do they have? If Zach Caleros goes down in Winnipeg, like what? Like I, I feel like Hamilton has one of the better backup situations, don't you think? Like, especially if you look at the other teams in the East. Okay, Ottawa's got Nick Arbuckle, but he hasn't been anything since 2019 with the Stampeders. I'm not even sure who the backup quarterback is in Montreal. So Fajardo either shits the bed or 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 stink like, or gets hurt. Like, I don't know what they have there. And we already, we've, we've discussed ad nauseum, the, the question marks that we have in, in Toronto at quarterback. So, I mean, even if Bo was to go down, if every starting quarterback in the East went down, I think the Ticats would then jump back up to the list as having the best quarterback in the division. Like, I'm not saying he'd be the best. If Bo goes down the other start, like Mazzoli's, I think clearly better as much as I don't like Fajardo. I think he's probably a, better than Schiltz, but I mean, as far as backups go in the East, does any team have a better situation than Hamilton does? I don't think they do. So even if they were to like, what veteran could they even go and get like, and we've seen how many times in the past have we seen that where like, you know, you res like, I mean, we're talking 10 years ago, but you resurrect the corpse of Michael Bishop or Carrie Joseph to come in and it doesn't really do much. So, I mean, unless their plan is to lure McLeod Bethel Thompson to Hamilton, with a bow injury after the USFL season. And I don't think that that would be the case anyway. You don't really have, like no one really has, your starting quarterback goes down, you're kind of effed in the A, no? Yeah, basically. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's, I guess it's good to have that veteran presence uh, behind your starting quarterback, but you know, sometimes you have to start developing the younger guys. And I have faith in Matthew Schultz, so I, I don't think it's going to be a problem if Bo gets injured. No, and I mean, we were spoiled 
with the Mazzoli Evans tandem in 21. In 2019, we didn't know what we had, and then Evans comes in, and obviously we know where the season went from there. And then we were spoiled with we just it, we got lucky that Dane Evans was still under a rookie contract, or, or, or I think he might have been on a second contract, but he was still on, on a on a cheap contract entering that 2021 year after what he did in 2019. So that's not that's not the norm. Like yes, teams have good backup quarterbacks. I mean, like I said, look at BC. Their quarterback situation, very similar to what Hamilton had in 19 and 21. But for the most part, teams don't have that great a situation, right? Uh, the next one comes from Corey Allen. When Simone decides to hang up the cleats, does he A, slide right into coaching, B, brings his larger-than-life personality to the TSN panel, or C, find something to keep the income flowing and ride into the sunset? as one of the best players to ever wear black and gold. Well, I mean, he's too entertaining for the panel, so they wouldn't bring him in. I think he could be a pretty decent coach. Like, he, he's kind of a coach out there already. You know, he's decade in the league, seen it all, done it all pretty much. And he is out there kind of teaching guys and, and leading the guys out there now. So maybe I, I could see him, but I could also see him becoming especially if he maintains a residence here in, in Hamilton, or I mean, he's out in Grimsby, but if he maintains a residence here, he becomes another goodwill ambassador like Luke Tasker does, uh, is. I mean, I know he does more than that. Uh, Andy Fantuz, Rob Hitchcock, like he becomes the next in the lineage that kind of starts with Mosca and kind of goes through some of these all-time greats that don't, that don't really have any sort of outside gigs CFL-wise. I, I could see him becoming that, becoming a, like doing something with the Ticats audio network or being part of the Ticats organization in some way like that. But if I was to pick one of those, I'd say coaching. What about you? Yeah. If I had to pick, I'd say coaching, but I, I do think that the Ticats are going to lock him up to like a lifetime. Yeah. deal, right. Like he already has a, a podcast studio in his house, I believe. So he's already doing that for the Ticats audio network. So I could see him sliding right into that for a, a after football gig. Yeah, very easily. Like that, that. I think he'll use his personality to do something that maybe isn't affiliated with the CFL, but could definitely be affiliated with the Tiger Cats. Now, the next one comes from Tiger Sammy. Your favorite away game you've ever been to? No playoff games allowed. Only regular season. Oh, this is easy. And anyone who's listening, I'm looking at who's who's listening. Some of these people, uh, uh, a couple of them, uh, one of them was there with me. Week two. 2019, BMO Field, 64 to 14, Ticats over Argos. The absolute best regular season game, away game that I have ever been in attendance for, without question. Going into the game, and people can attest to this that were there on the car ride to Toronto, I said, they're like, what do you expect from the game? I said, 50 to nothing. They didn't win 50 to nothing, but they won by 50, and we all kind of agreed that that counted. But that was, it was kind of a, harbinger of things to come that 2019 season was obviously phenomenal for a lot of reasons didn't end the way we wanted to unfortunately but was still great and in, in a lot of ways and that was 64 to 14 that's that's that was one of the most fun i've ever had at a football game it was it was it was too good if i had to pick a second one um and i don't know if it necessarily counts as an away game and maybe maybe this is yours uh touchdown atlantic uh, Ty Katz and, and Stan Peters high scoring game being out on the East coast was awesome. Uh, but I, I, I'm sorry. I might, I might've just stolen your answer. If I did, I apologize, but my answer is definitely 64 to 14 week two, 2019 BMO field crushing the Argos. 
Rico Murray pick six in the last play of the game to get it over the 60 point mark. It was just awesome. Yeah, that that game uh, on the East Coast is close, but my favorite away game, away Ticat game, was right here in Edmonton. It was the comeback. Oh. The, uh, you know, uh, Jeremiah Mazzoli. The record-breaking game. Yep. I remember at halftime, my buddy actually came down from Ontario to come visit for a couple days. We went to the game. It was halftime, and we're like, well, at least it's a nice sunny day. And uh, then they just proceeded to go on a, a crazy comeback, and they ended up winning the game. I think Chad Owens had a crazy catch in the end zone. You know, yep. Jeremiah Mazzoli was on fire. So, yeah, that's that's definitely my number one away game. That's right. You were the good luck charm in Edmonton because you get the, your first year there. They hang nearly 50 on them. And one of our that was during our first season covering the team on the show. And I remember we, we back then we used to do bold predictions for the game. And you said they'd hang 50 on them. I think they scored 49. And we, we gave it to you just because of like, that's the one that had the Eric Norwood, the massive fumble recovery for a touchdown. That was during the season that I think everyone agrees had Zach Calero stayed healthy, the Ticats, we're not talking about 20-some-odd years. That's the year they would have won the Grey Cup. But then, yeah, that, that I forgot about. And was, didn't Edmonton, weren't they up something like 28-7-7 at, uh, at halftime and then immediately scored? I think they were up 35-7 at one point, and then I think we, the Ticats ended up winning. I think it was 38-35, and you're right. Mazzoli was just on fire in that game, and that was one of the last ones he started that year because then Caleros came back a few weeks later. I for, I forgot that you were in attendance for that one. That's a really good pick. Yeah, it was a it was a very exciting day. I, I don't think I've ever been in attendance for a comeback like that before. So yeah, that was a that was a fun one. Uh, the next one is a little bit fun as well. It's uh, from Jim Martin. We uh, we changed the question a little bit, but I'll, I'll read it originally. Um, the CFL is introducing a wrestler draft. You get to pick one active wrestler to join each CFL team, but it's the territorial draft. The wrestler must have some connection to the team or city, including have played for them before. So we're not doing active wrestlers, but we're doing like overall. Yeah, it was kind of tough to do the active ones because for some of the teams, I could only find one guy. And then it's like, are we just going to fist fight over? Like, I figured we'd, we'd want to do different guys, right? Like, we'd want to kind of draft our own. Like, if you pick a guy that I, he's off limits for me, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was kind of hard to do that with some of these. Some of them were easier than others, but some of them... Some of them are pretty difficult. So, yeah, let, let's do this. This should, this should be fun. All right. Uh, you want to lead it off then, Josh? Yeah. Where do, what team do you want to start with? You you tell me where we're starting. We'll start there. You want to start? You want to go east to west? You want to just pick them out of a hat? Where do you want to go? I'll just go how, how I, I have them listed. So let's All right. start with Winnipeg. Winnipeg? Oh, man. I was hoping you'd pick your Winnipeg guy first because this is – and you know what? I'm going with Kenny Omega. He's he's one of the best in the world right now. They, I know who you're going to pick now since I took Kenny, but Winnipeg boy, got to take Kenny. Who you got now? Yeah, I got to go with Jericho. I had him on yeah. the list, so it worked out nice, nicely. But yeah, Jericho, legend from Winnipeg. Uh, my ne- Arguably the greatest of all time. Yeah, one of the greatest of all time, absolutely. Uh, my next on the list is Hamilton. Who you got? I mean, I got to go with my boy, all ego Ethan Page, man. We've been shouting him out for years now. He, AEW's coming to Hamilton. In, in June, I, I'm hoping he's going to rock that black and gold gear that he does. He comes out, he's going to get a hero's ovation. Got to go with all ego. All right, you stole it, but I'm going to go with, uh, I th- I believe he's from Hamilton, Iron Mike Sharp. Is that? Sure is. Canada's greatest athlete. Yeah, he was, uh, you know, never really reached the title scene, but uh, 
a good wrestler in his day, I'd say. One of the best enhancement talents of the 80s, for sure. Uh, the next one I got is Edmonton. Edmonton. Oh, raise, raise up those ones, buddy. Raise it up. Acknowledge your tribal chief, Roman Reigns, former Edmonton football team member in, 20, in 2008. No doubt in my mind, taking the undisputed universal WWE champion, Roman Reigns. That's my pick for, the, for Edmonton. Yeah, yeah, I got Roman Reigns too. I, I'm not even sure of anyone else. The only other person I found was Gene Kaniski, uh, also called himself Canada's greatest athlete. Uh, he, he played for Edmonton way back in the day. Uh, so he could have, he could have been another pick, but yeah, that, that's what, that, those, that was one of the ones that was really difficult to find a second one for. I mean, like a second person who's like an active wrestler. Yeah. Uh, Montreal. Montreal. This is a tough one too. Cause there's two guys here who I feel like it, the one I pick, you're going to pick the other. Uh, so for Montreal, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to take Sami Zayn. Was that what, you know? Uh, it's it's between him and I'm sure the the guy you're gonna pick. I'll be surprised if he's not there. But yeah, I got to go with the on, the former honorary Oos main eventer of night one of WrestleMania this year. That tremendous match he had at Elimination Chamber against the Tribal Chief. Yeah, I'm I'm taking Sami Zayn. No, I think it's it's not gonna be the guy you're thinking about. I got Lex Luger. Oh, okay. I thought you were going Kevin Owens, buddy. Yeah, that would make sense. But uh, I think Lex Luger played. Uh, for a short period of time with the Montreal Alouettes yep. back in the day, so I'm going to go with Luger. Total package. First, I have Ottawa. Who do you got for Ottawa? Ottawa? Okay, this is the this is my first kind of veteran guy here. Uh, I'm going with uh, old Ronnie Simmons, first ever African-American WCW champion, played a season with the Ottawa Rough Riders in the early 80s. So... Uh, I'm I'm taking uh, Farouk in the WWE, but he was also a he finished fifth in the Heisman his final season at Florida State University. One of the best football players. He he I think he's one of like three or four guys that's ever had his number retired by Florida State. So I'm going with Ron Simmons. I'm going with Glenn Kalka. Okay, yep. Kalka Mania. Uh, you know, played for Ottawa. Uh, spent a very short time in the WWF at the time, I believe. Um, so yeah, Calcomania for me. And my next is Saskatchewan. I, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm, I'm, I'm picking Brock, Brock Lesnar. Yeah. A lot of people be like Brock Lesnar. What does he have to do with Saskatchewan? Actually makes a home in Saskatchewan. So, I mean, he's, he's one of the best to ever do it. Can't go with anyone other than the beast. Yeah. I got Brock Lesnar as well. You know who else you could have picked? Who's that? Stu Hart born in Saskatchewan. Born in Regina, Saskatchewan, so or Saskatoon, one of the two, I can't remember. But Stu Hart could have been a pick as well. Very, very interesting. Uh, Toronto. Toronto, I am going with the rated R superstar. I know he's from Orangeville, but he, he is listed when he comes down. They say he's from Toronto. I'm going with Edge. Okay, I'll go with, I'll go with Christian, I think. I figured. It's the same kind of idea. Maybe he's not from Toronto proper, but. Uh, Build from there for sure. Yeah. Uh, the BC Lions. BC Lions going with a real contemporary guy that that uh, a lot of people might not know is actually from the Vancouver area. One Kyle O'Reilly, great professional wrestler. Unfortunately, he's out right now with an injury, but he's he's one of the best sellers in the business right now. I absolutely love Kyle O'Reilly, so I'm taking him. I got Tito Santana. Good pick. Played for the BC Lions, so yeah, that's uh, so one from the. Uh, Great wrestler from the 1980s and the 1990s. And the last team is Calgary. Who do you got? I mean, 
The Rock. I got to take The Rock. I mean, there's so many Calgary area wrestlers. The Rock is not my favorite wrestler with Calgary Connections. That is, I'm sure, the man you're going to take next. But it's it's got to be Dwayne. Come on. Yo, I'm gonna. I was gonna go with Bret Hart, but I'm gonna go with Owen Hart. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna be going to the AEW show upcoming in Edmonton. I think that the Owen Hart semifinals will probably be on that show because the the finals will be on the Calgary show, the next show. Yeah. So, um, I'm really looking forward to that and maybe get some Owen Hart merch. So yeah, my pick is Owen Hart. Yeah, ton tons of Calgary represent like every member of the Hart family. Lance Storm is a guy that people might know from. Uh, from back in the day, Brian Pillman, obviously Hart family trained at trained there, played, uh, played for the Calgary Stampeders. And, uh, I mean, I guess we would be remiss if we didn't mention that, uh, kind of, I don't know if this was the impetus for the question, but superstar Billy Graham just recently passed away. One of the most influential wrestlers of the 1970s. He passed away recently. Uh, I just found out, I didn't know this, that he played for the Montreal Alouettes. It's not something that I was aware of. So, that I feel like that this question coming at, at just in the wake of his passing, kind of apropos. Absolutely, uh, we got another one from our buddy Jim Martin. Which player who left the team will be felt the most? You know, I you sent me this in advance of the show, and I, I was thinking about it. There isn't really one because I think of the guys that they lost and you kind of go through okay well they lost Jovan Santos Knox but they replaced him with Jameer Thurman well they lost Micah Johnson but they replaced him with Casey Sales you think of the defensive backs like they lost Deontay Evans didn't really replace him with anyone replaced him with someone in house Jamal Roll who I don't know if you saw just announced his well he didn't announce his retirement but the Alouettes announced that he's retired after not reporting to their training camp which was a little bit of a a surprise given that he was a major free agent acquisition. If I had to pick someone though, and I, again, it's, I don't know if the loss is that immeasurable because of who they got to replace him, but I'd go with Cam Kelly because he was such an excellent Sam linebacker for this team the last two years, but they did replace him with a very well-known veteran, very high-end player in Chris Edwards. I still think Cam Kelly was, was probably better than Chris Edwards, still is better than Chris Edwards. So I think that that's, that's probably the area I would go, but it's um, it's it's really tough because all of all of the big name guys that they lost, they found someone to replace them with. So it's really hard to to really pin that down. But if you have to, if I have to pick someone, I'm taking Cam Kelly. Yeah, I think that's a great pick. I'll pick someone different just for the sake of difference. Uh, Braylon Addison, uh, you know, okay, injured. I know he's injured. I know that. Uh, you know, it might be tough for him to come back and be the same guy, but I just think that he was such a good receiver with the Ticats, and, you know, he has that veteran presence to the team, uh, which, you know, they have Duke Williams, who's been around for a while. Tim White's been around a couple years, but, you know, I, I think they might miss that veteran presence just a little bit. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. All right. The next one is also from Jim Martin. What do you think of the CFL Plus initiative? Look, okay, so I'm going to preface this by we know it's not perfect. Yes, there's no on-demand. Yes, there's no fast or rewinding or whatever. I get all that. I think it's great. Look, we're going to get a, a half a dozen preseason games that we weren't otherwise going to be able to watch. It's a service that, I mean, outside of that, like that's really the only part that really matters to us because we get all the games on TV. We get all the games streamed on the TSN app. So the 
the streaming of regular season games and playoff games doesn't really make a difference to us. But you're now going to get a chance to watch both of Hamilton's preseason games. That's a plus. So is it perfect? No. Is it still really good? And and kind of, it, it was, could this be the CFL's like dipping their toes in this sort of streaming platform type thing? Absolutely. I think it's a home run. It's not a finished form, but it's also free. And when you get something for free, you can't really complain about, like, I'm sure we're, we're going to get these games. And because most of them are probably going to be streams from the in-house uh, like feeds that you see on the Jumbotron, we're going to see a lot of tweets about how the video quality is not very good. It's just, it's just nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. I think it's a great thing that they've done. It gives fans access, which is what we wanted. And I, I'm just going to say, if you, the people that you see right now complaining about it are the same people saying that CFL needs to stop relying on cable television. They're, they're, you can have you can have criticisms of this without crapping on the idea. I think the idea is great. I think it's a first step. I'm looking forward to it. What about you? Yeah, I feel the same way. You know, they they did something. Mm-hmm. I mean, like they 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 being proactive. Do I wish that they got a shit ton of money from from a network in the states and they were gonna, you know, advertise for it and they're gonna have their own panel? They're gonna put everything behind it. Yeah, sure, that would be great, but um, that's just not gonna happen. Not at this point. So to get it out, you know, all the American fans can see every game um, or most of the games if they don't have the CBS network, Sports Network. Uh, I think it's a great thing, and like you said, I get to watch the preseason games which is huge for me because then I can, you know, at least have some kind of idea what I'm talking about when we do the post-game shows. So I'm really happy with it, and uh, uh, hopefully it takes off for them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Another one from Jim Barton. What's each of your favorite stadium food item? Well, when I go to games, my go-to... I mean, I don't buy a ton of food at games anymore. I've, I've... I haven't really mentioned this publicly, but I have started eating better, uh, taking care of myself. Um, I'm down 25 pounds in the last two months, which is, uh, I stepped on the scale, didn't like what I saw. So I went about making some changes. One of those things is not buying greasy calorie heavy food at games. But when I did do that, or if I, if I have the chance to do it, the poutine at, at, at Tim Hortons field is, is pretty good. Um, I'm not really big on, on stadium food though. Like, like, uh, it's Tim Hortons field food is, is fine, I guess. But I mean, if we're talking BMO field, they got a black bean burger and a chicken shawarma that will knock your socks off. Like BMO does it right when it comes to concession food. Tim Hortons field is it's okay. But if I had to pick an item, even though I don't tend to buy food a ton, I guess I'd go with the poutine. That's fair. Now, when I go to games at Edmonton, I usually, they used to have Boston pizza. Like they'd have Boston pizza slices. Oh, Okay which I used to indulge in. Uh, I think they changed it to the Canadian brew house now, but, but yeah, usually my go-to when I went to games at Edmonton was a, a slice of pizza, but yeah, I'm with you. It's like stadium food. Isn't that great? And it's crazy expensive. So yeah. Yeah. I, I, I tend to kind of eat before I go. Um, what else do we got here? Uh, okay. So we got one from Corey Allen it up here okay you've got 10 million dollars but there's a condition to get the 10 mil 
you got to listen to one album five times every day as soon as you wake up for the next five years. What album are you picking? So I could go two ways here. I could go with an album that I like that's short, or I could go with an album that I know I can, that I've probably listened to the equivalent of five hours a day over five years. I mean, probably not that much, but listen to it quite a bit. So if I was to go the short route, Linkin Park's Meteora, their second album is like 35 minutes long. So you can knock out those, you know, oh, I got to listen to it five times. You, you knock that thing out in two and a half hours. But if I had to pick a, an album that I really enjoy, I'd go with the Eminem show. Um, I think it's, I, I think the Marshall Mathers LP is, is his best album, but I think the Eminem show is his most re-listenable one. Uh, it's got some really good tracks on there. Till I Collapse is one of my favorite songs of all time. I, I think that that is what I would go a little bit longer. I think it's 60 something minutes. So I'd have to listen for about five hours, but I think I could do it with that. It's a really enjoyable album. I really like it. So that would be my pick. So I went hip hop. I'm I guess you're going with some punk album. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, I was huge into the hip hop back in the day. I was a big Eminem fan. I love the chronic, the Dr. Dre album. When it, yep. you know, all that uh, death row stuff in the nineties and, and all that stuff. There's, there's many different genres, genres I could have picked, but yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, my favorite genre, and that's punk rock, and that's uh, No Effects. So long, and thanks for all the shoes. It's um, you know, it's got some up tempo, you know, punk rock songs, but it also has some reggae mixed in there, and uh, you know, some happier songs. So, and it's a short listen, like every punk rock album. So, I think I could. It's probably a half an hour, thirty five minutes, like that Linkin Park album. Yeah, it's pretty quick. So that's my pick. Yeah, a lot of punk rock songs are like two, two and a half minutes long. Like they, they really know how to get in there, make their point, and get the hell out, right? Exactly. Uh, okay, so we got another one from uh, Corey Allen, which is a, another interesting one. If you could decrease one player's age on offense and one player's age on defense by 10%, who would you choose? Uh, well, I think I'm going to go with Bo on offense. I would really like to get, you know, 27 year old, 28 year old Bo would have liked to have had him in, you know, 2017, 2018. Uh, defensively, I, th- I think, I think I'd go with Teddy, take a few years off Teddy's age. Then he goes back to being kind of that dominant, a dominant defensive Canadian defensive tackle that he was. And then now you have one of the best players at his position as a Canadian on the field. So, yeah, I think I think I'd go with with those two guys, get younger versions of them, and I think this team wins a couple of Grey Cups. I'm with you on Bo. You know, give him a, a take away a couple of years from his age, and um, yeah, I mean, I, I'd take it another three years with Bo in his prime. Uh, I also have uh, not Ted Laurent, but I, I picked Simone Lawrence. You know, I, yeah, I'm 34 now. Uh, you take away uh, a couple years off his age, and he's prime Simone Lawrence. And uh, he, he's a wrecking ball out there. Not that he's gonna not gonna be good this year, but yeah, I, I think I'd have to go with Bo and Simone. Yeah, it makes sense. Alrighty, uh, the next one from David Tucker: Go to food and drink for tailgating. Uh well, I'm not a big tailgate guy, uh, but I'd probably go with like a hot dog or a hamburger. Just you know, some some easy to. You go to a tailgate, you're not really sitting down, so I want something that I can kind of hold in my hand. Uh, maybe like a nice potato salad. I know that seems kind of weird, but I do like myself some potato salad. 
as for a drink, I, I don't really drink beer. I'm not really a big alcohol guy. Don't just don't just don't do it. No, 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 no judgment on those who do. So I guess I go with like some sort of diet soda or flavored sparkling water. Like I know these don't sound very, like very interesting tailgating foods, but that, that seems to be what, that's what I would go with. I think I'm going to have to go with like a, a street sausage from a, okay. I just stand on the sidewalk with a barbecue. You know, you don't have that here in Edmonton. They don't do that here. Um, I remember back in the day going to Iverwin stadium, you'd have, those guys hanging around the stadium. Yeah, I don't really have it anymore. No, okay. So, yeah, I'd have to go with, uh, you know, a sausage or a hot dog and and maybe a, a nice cold beer. Yeah, that seems fair. I mean, I, Toronto's still all... Actually, I don't know if Toronto does anymore. When they were at the Sky Dome, they, they, there was usually street meat that we would uh, you'd hit up before the game. I would do that quite frequently. In fact, one of my, one of my favorite stories is... Uh, we went to the preseason game. I think it was it was twenty. I'm gonna say 2010. Ticats were playing the Argos. We all went out to go to the preseason game. We're walking around the stadium, and uh, Danny McManus walks out, and we all we snapped a pick with him. We talked to him for you know a couple of minutes, and he comes. He's like, "Where's the hot dog guy?" <laughs> we point him in the direction of the hot dog guy, and it was like, "Ah, oh, I can't believe Danny Mac doesn't already have a hot dog guy in Toronto." But that's what he came out to do, and so Toronto had some good street. Toronto, Toronto really does the sports thing. I know we, we, we have, we have our issues with, with like Toronto sports, but back at the dome days, they had, you had the street vendors, you could get really cheap scalp tickets. Toronto kind of does it right. I have a story about Danny Mac, actually. Um, me and my father went to a game in Ottawa when it was the Ottawa Renegades. And, uh, my dad wanted to take me to Hooters. So we went to Hooters <laughs> and, uh, we were at Hooters and, uh, guess who walks in? <laughs> Danny Mac. And Rob Hitchcock. So that was, uh, I, I can't remember if we went up to them or not, but you know, it's kind of rude when they're eating and stuff like that. Yeah. But it was just pretty humorous to see them walk into that establishment. I think I was probably like 17 at the time, 18, something like that. So uh, a pretty funny story. Not bad. Not bad at all. Uh, okay. So the next one's from David Tucker as well. What's your favorite sport to watch that isn't football and why? You know, I would have said basketball, played basketball growing up quite a bit, always loved the game, still do, still do quite a bit. But in the last few years, man, because of, of us getting a team, I think it's soccer. Like, I really enjoy soccer. I know you hate soccer, so I won't belabor the point very much, but having a local team has has really increased my interest in the game Obviously, Canada doing well in the World Cup on on the world stage has has increased my interest in the game as well. Uh, it's it's quick. Like I mean, you go to a soccer match, you're in and out in like about two hours, so that that's, it doesn't take up your whole day. Like football, as much as I love it, you know, three three and a half hours, including like now nah, you got to get there. It, it, it and you know Tim Hortons Field is is a mess, a sea of people when you're trying to leave after a game. Soccer, not so much. It's about a quarter of the crowd, so. Yeah, I like I, I always love basketball. Like I'm really enjoying the NBA playoffs now, even though we're we're steamrolling towards the Denver Nuggets playing in the goddamn NBA finals and oh that's anyway, I won't get into What? Why is that bad? I don't like the Denver I I don't I don't I don't you know what they they remind me of the um they're a three point shooting version of the San Antonio Spurs and I'd never cared about like they, they, they're good. Don't get me wrong. Like, if the Nuggets win the title, totally deserved. Jokic has been playing out of his mind. I just think they're kind of boring. Like, 
I don't need, I don't need, I don't care that they're not, you know, I, I want, I, I'm a LeBron guy. I wanted the Lakers in the finals. Right. I'm really, I really hope the heat get there. Like what Jimmy Butler does in the playoffs, man, the playoff Jimmy, the, the way, the way he elevates his game come playoff time. Like they knocked out my Knicks and I'm still kind of rooting for my, and I've always hated Miami because them in New York always had a fierce, fierce rivalry in the nineties. But how can you not respect what Jimmy Butler's doing? And I hate Boston, so I always want to see them lose. I'm just not, I'm just, I don't know. The Nuggets just aren't, they just don't do it for me. But I'm really enjoying the, I've really enjoyed these NBA playoffs. Probably the most I've enjoyed them in a few years now. So I would have said basketball, but I I think I'm leaning a little bit to, closer towards soccer now, unfortunately. For you, because I have to talk about soccer. Yeah, I'm going to have to go. It, it kind of changes year to year, but I, I've been, I think it's got to be basketball. You know, I think yeah. hockey's up there um, when my team Montreal is doing well, but otherwise I don't really watch. Um, basketball is a different story. I, I tend to watch no matter what, you know, when it comes to playoff time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, 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 and I played basketball when I was younger. Um, you know, I, Do you have a team? What's that? Do you have a team? No, no, no. no. Uh, that, you know, sometimes when you don't have a team, it almost makes the sport more fun to watch because, like, like I say I'm a Knicks fan, but I'm really just a fan of the game. So it's like, I enjoy watching Steph play. I Even though I don't really want the Nuggets getting to the finals, I enjoy watching Joker play. Like, there's some, like, he makes it look so easy, does he not? He does. And I, like, it almost looks like he's not trying. I don't understand how that's not entertaining to you. He's a great player. Uh, Murray knocking down threes. Like, yeah. You'd rather watch LeBron brick it from three in the fourth quarter? No, I'd rather watch him dish it out and have my boy Austin Reeves clanging in some threes and win me some money. But uh, no, I'm just, I'm just, look, I'm a LeBron guy. I just want to see, like, watching LeBron. Has there been, let's, I know we're kind of getting derailed here, but I guess that's the kind of the point of the, of, of the live show and the questions that we're getting asked. We, we, we solicit, we solicited these non-football questions, non-Ticats questions. Has have you know, can you think of any athlete who ever, cause like, like this, this, this past week they did the NBA draft lottery, right? And they had, uh, what's his name? The insider from ESPN called Victor Wimbayama, the greatest prospect in the history of team sports. And it's like, do people forget the expectations that were heaped on LeBron? Like I, th- someone posted an interview he did. I think it was Bob Costas who said, if you're not a first ballot hall of famer, your, your career has been a disappointment. That was before he ever played a game in the NBA. His high school games were being broadcast in ESPN for him to have lived up to that hype and exceeded it. He's the all time leading scorer in the NBA He's won four championships. He's been to 10 NBA finals. Like, has anyone come in with more expectations than actually, I guess maybe Sidney Crosby. Sidney Crosby came in with really high expectations and, and kind of, I would say, what did he won three, three cups. So he's definitely fulfilled his, his promise. But like, very rare do you see a guy come in with that high of expectations and, and achieve it. And to be doing what he's doing in year 20 at age 38, I don't know. I guess I kind of, if it's not Tom Brady, I kind of root for the old guys sometimes. Jokic, Jokic is going to have another decade plus to, to, to collect a bunch of rings. Let, let me see. Let me see LeBron get five and, and maybe get six. And then I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm, we got, we only have a few more years left with LeBron. I kind of want to see him still playing at the top of his game. Well, the, to answer your question, you're right. I mean, I remember, you know, when he was playing those games in high school and they were on ESPN and, and you know, he's, he has lived up to that. There's no question about it. Um, 
I just find it nauseating the fanboys in the media, you know, based their whole careers on, you know, putting down other players to prop up LeBron James. I just, I find it nauseating. And uh, that's one of the reasons I don't really care for him. I'm not a hater per se, um, but I just, I don't know. And it just, it just bugs me. The NBA media in, 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 as a whole, I think that they, like Denver, for instance, they were first in the West since December. They don't talk about them. They disrespect, they talked about how they're going to be kicked out in the first round. Like, I just don't have any respect for those guys in the media, in the NBA media. And it just, it just, I don't know. It, 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 it hurts my opinion of LeBron to have these guys in the media, like Shannon Sharp. He's, he's at, he's at LA Lakers games, getting into fights with other teams. He's such a fanboy. Like, it's just embarrassing. <laughs> I thought the Shannon Sharp thing was funny, but I mean, Shannon, he has to deal with what's his name who hates LeBron. So I guess yeah. when you're on a, when you're on it, like if you, like if you and I, if we were debating, like, let's say you, you know, you, you were, you came on here and had an opinion about Zach Caleros. Like you were like, I hate Zach Caleros for entertainment purposes. If I liked him, I probably would play it up even more that, you know what I mean? But I, I I'm with you. I, I find some of the, the media landscape in the U S revolving around sports. It's, it's very much, and I don't have like you and I are fans that are, you know, we're in a form of media. So I get that, that, you know, you grew up a fan and, and people who talk about sports grew up fan of sports. Right. And if you come from a place that has a team, you kind of, you, or if you came up at the same time as someone, you kind of latch onto them as like, quote unquote, your guy. I can understand that. But yeah, there is a little bit too much of, uh, I don't know, cheerleading, I guess when it comes to some of the mainstream sports stuff in the States. But, uh, anyway, yeah, no, anyway, I'll just say this. It's either cheerleading or it's like the complete opposite of just... Yeah. but completely, Which is... Yeah. Both are bad. But anyway... Well, and that's the thing, too, like... Go ahead. Like, the whole the whole Jordan-LeBron thing, it's like, why can't... Like, I'm 41. I didn't see all of Jordan's career, but I saw I saw the, the, the peak years, the title-winning years. Why can't I just be like, man, Michael Jordan was great. LeBron James was great. My favorite... My first favorite basketball player was Magic Johnson. Like, why do we, why do we have this constant need... To validate twenty four hours, who's you know, they need something to talk about? Yeah, they're talking like three hours a day. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, the next one comes from FM fan. Who are the best three receivers on the Tie Cats besides the top two of White and uh, Williams? Now I changed the questions a little bit because it was before Addison was released and included Addison in this with White, so I just included White and Williams. Okay, so back to some Thai Cats questions. So most of the people listening are like, oh, finally, they're talking about the bloody Thai Cats. Um, they're off the NBA and professional wrestling. Yeah, I mean, if it was still Addison, Duke would be on the list, but since it's not, um, I mean, I've talked about him a bunch already today. Keandre Smith, uh, I would put him up there as, as one of the, the three best after those two. Terry Godwin, I think from what I've seen at camp and the little he showed us last year, I really liked him, and... My camp crush from last year, who it's it's continued over into this year, I think he's, you're going to see big things from him, is Anthony Johnson. So those would be my three, Keandre, Terry Godwin, and uh, Anthony Johnson. Yeah, I'm just going to piggyback on your answers because you've been in camp, you've seen these guys practicing. So, yeah, I'll just go with your three. And now the last question we have to go out on a little bit of a fun note. Oh, man, it feels like we just started. I know. We've, we've, we flew through this episode. I think we've been on for... Yeah, a bit over an hour, um, but it comes from Tiger Sammy. I'm not sure if you've seen the brilliant OSW review podcast, but one of their features 
is uh, what your boy stable would be. I'm curious to what both your stables would be. Now, this, this sounds kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, it's just basically like wrestlers that didn't succeed, didn't didn't reach any, you know, uh, levels of success. You know, basically like kind of jobbers, but a little bit higher than that. Yeah. Who do you got? Yeah, so I didn't understand this question, but then Sammy was kind enough to give us a link and I saw what it meant. So it seems like it was guys who you're a little bit embarrassed to say that you liked were you probably rate them higher than other people do. And I think the one, one of the uh, conditions was they could never have been a world champion. So I'm going to start with some of my childhood guys. Uh, I have, so we capped this at four, did we not? Yes, correct. Yeah. Cause that's a, you know, four horsemen. The NWO was the best when it was Hogan Hall, Nash and X-Pac. When, when, when you're, when you're doing with DX was, you know, Hunter X-Pac who <laughs> defected and the outlaws like four seems to be a pretty good number. Uh, so do you remember Ahmed Johnson from the mid nineties WWF wrestler? Yep. Loved him. <clears throat> great body. Great look. Thought he was going to be a superstar. Couldn't wrestle a lick. Um, he won the intercontinental championship, but he, he wasn't very good. Uh, so he's one of my guys. Uh, I don't know how much ECW you watched back in the day, but there's a guy called Simon Diamond who I was, wasn't very good, never ascended to anything other than mid card in, in extreme championship wrestling. But I thought he was in, incredibly entertaining. One of my favorite guys on their roster in the latter years of that company. Uh, an old WCW guy that I thought was thoroughly entertaining, but re never really did much was a guy by the name of above average Mike Sanders. He was kind of in the dying days of world championship wrestling came about, but didn't really do a whole heck of a lot. I think once WCW closed, he kind of disappeared and I'm going with someone who's, who's close by as my number four. And that is Sean Spears, formerly known as Ty Dillinger in WWE. He had the 10 gimmick. I thought he was incredibly entertaining. He's from Niagara Falls. So he's from the area. I don't know. He's, I just kind of like them. You know what I mean? Like these are, these are guys I guess kind of like, and I guess that's the point. They're, they're guys that you're, that people don't really think a whole ton about, but, but those are my four. Ahmed Johnson, Simon Diamond, above average, Mike Sanders, and Sean Spears. Do you remember any of those guys? I mean, Sean Spears wrestles now, so you obviously know, but do you remember any of the other three? Yeah. Uh, Sean Spears. Uh, who was the first one you said? Sorry. Uh, Ahmed Johnson was number one. Uh, Simon Diamond from ECW and above average Mike Sanders were the other two. Yeah, I remember two of them. Ahmed Johnson. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, All right. What are yours? Okay. So it is. Uh, I'm excited about this. I got the leader of my faction is Jumpin' Jeff Farmer. Oh my God. Okay. You like that one? Yes, I do. That's a deep cut. Yeah. Famously bad pro. I don't know anything about this guy's career. All I know is that he cut a famously bad promo that is just hilarious. So jumping Jeff Farmer, uh, I got Danhausen. I knew Danhausen was going to be on your list. Has to be. I love me some Danhausen. I got Mantar. <laughs> Mantar is pretty good uh, from the mid '90s. Uh, just a terrible gimmick, and maybe the most infamous gimmick of all time: the Shockmaster. Yeah, the Shockmaster. Oh boy, I think I think Master, you got to look up Shockmaster on YouTube. It's a crazy blooper. 
from the WCW days in the early 90s on live TV, mind you. Yeah. So it, it's on his debut. It was the debut of the character. He was supposed to be this big main event guy. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just absolutely shits the bed. I got it. I think your stable beats mine. I think my guys are a little too successful compared to yours. You know what I mean? Like my guys had some level of success. Your guys really had none. I really like your four. That, those are some good picks. That's a pretty good faction right there. Uh, so yeah, I, I had a blast doing this, Josh. Uh, our first live episode of 2023. We're going to be doing the, uh, the post-game shows live as usual, as many as we can. And I'm looking forward to this season. Yeah, for sure. Like We're not going to do uh, a recorded episode this week because of tonight's uh, kind of test pilot episode to try out our, our, new, uh, our new situation here. We're no longer doing the Twitter spaces. We're going to do them over here. So if you're listening... Um, we understand. So maybe we have to find a way to get Mike's audio fixed, uh, yeah. get him a little louder. Other than that, if there's any sort of uh, questions or comments, things we could do better, don't worry. Going forward, it's going to be a lot less wrestling heavy. When we do our live shows, we're going to basically just be doing the post-game shows as we did last year. So uh, for the people who stuck with us through the wrestling stuff that didn't care about it, thank you very much. For those that are going li- to, we're, we're going to find a way. I, I think there's a way to record this. We've recorded it. We're going to post it in the podcast feed probably sometime this week. So anyone who couldn't join us live can listen to it. Uh, but any, any comments you have, uh, hit us up on, on social media. You can find us on Twitter at PodskiWeWe. You can get Mike. Mike, you're what? Podski underscore Mike now? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, and I'm Josh Smith underscore 82. So any sort of comments you have, any criticisms especially, uh, anything like that, please don't hesitate to either say it in public. You can DM us. Uh, we're, we're trying to make this as good as we can. This was kind of a, a like I said, a test pilot episode uh, to try out this new system. So uh, we'll see what we can do about Mike's audio. Maybe next time. Uh, I, I'm not, not sure what we, how we can fix that, but we'll, we'll try our best. Um, but thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for spending some of your Sunday evening with us. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was just, it was a lot of fun and uh, I feel like it's, it, I think that this worked, but we'll we'll have to see what the fans think. And uh, if we have to adjust, we adjust and we'll, we'll go from there. What, what do you say? Yeah, it, it sounds good to me. And, you know, Josh is doing this. I think you're doing it with your microphone. I'm doing it with my phone. So maybe that has something to do with it. Probably. Figure out how to turn up my mic or something like that. But we'll try to figure it out. And uh, thanks for everyone who joined us tonight. I'm Mike Graham. Eat them raw. I'm Josh Smith. Eat them raw.